I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We Love to Watch is officially an evangelical Christian podcast after spending 100 minutes with Bill Maher. Fuck this, man. This is going to be a show. So, (laughs) this is a a fucking confession booth. It's a confession booth. It's a scream therapy. We need reconciliation. We, yeah, this is, this is going to be worse than I think we thought. (laughs) But anyways, let's just get right into it. Where we love to watch. We're a movie podcast. We pick a theme. We do movies over the course of that month around that theme. And if we remember... We compare and contrast, and we're in our second week of Did We Dock Up?, which is uh, topical advocacy documentaries from the 2000s that uh, carried a lot of cultural cachet, had an impact, but are not movies in general that anyone really talks about or thinks about anymore. There were late night punchlines for a bit, but I don't think they were late. Like they were, they, they were huge. Like I mean, they were big. They made tons of money for documentaries. Oh yes, they, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. But so, they were an easy, they were an easy reference point. Yeah, uh, quick like Jay Leno reference point thing. But you on this? top of Did that, they also this? this this is an entire month's accidental theme. Are these are all documentaries that hit us at very specific yes. points in our sort of like social and cultural and political growth yes uh well this one less growth for me this was like on a crest um, yeah you're right you're we're, right we're, normally when we talk about movies like impacting us i feel like like there's so many movies that we end up watching at the same time right like i was three when aliens came out you weren't born we probably both saw aliens in junior high high school range right like even though we weren't present for it. But when we talk about these, these next three, I think, are going to be a little more specific to where we were at as people and where they hit us. Uh, yeah, so this week is Religious, which um, is one of the main reasons that we wanted to do this month. It's also one of the reasons we don't have a guest. So I've prefaced this enough, but if you didn't hear some ends of uh, the... It's an act of mercy, really. It's really an act of mercy. There's been two topics since we started this show that, for some reason, Peter and I, when we're doing an episode, just the two of us, someone will make a reference to it, and then him and I will talk for, no joke, 20, 30 minutes about it. And then we'll realize... Well, this has fucking nothing to do with fucking Super Mario Brothers or whatever we're doing. And why would people want to listen to this? Uh, like, like who would want to be unprepared for a 20-minute conversation about Fuller House? Like, it's not fun. You came here to listen to that. And while we have tangents, at some point, it's just us talking about the episode we saw and how much we dislike it. It kept getting deleted out of our episodes, and and those two topics, as I mentioned, were the television show Fuller House and how much we hated it, 
And the other one was Bill Maher, which was a, usually a little bit of a different conversation. It was something along the lines of both Peter and I had a lot of affection for Bill Maher. He was at one point, it was probably like my favorite two political shows. Things I didn't miss every week were uh, the Daily Show Colbert Report uh, double feature and a real time with Bill Maher. Uh, one of those has held up way better in retrospect than the other. <laughs> um, and it also spoke to me as someone who was very angry politically at, at the George W. Bush administration as, as like realizing how terrible Republicans in George W. Bush were was like my coming of age in politics. It happened 2002, 2003. Um, we're going to talk a lot more about that. Next week, when we talk about uh, Bowling for Columbine and Fahrenheit uh, 9-11, somewhere a little bit after that is when I, to quote the R.E.M. song, uh, tried not to breathe. Uh, no, it's a different R.E.M. song. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I When I asked, what's the frequency, Kenneth? Uh, no, when I... <laughs> when you stood in the place where you live. Yep, when I, when I stood. Uh, <laughs> the famous R.E.M. song, Stood. <laughs> I don't know why that's well, so okay. stood. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, you know sorry, what? Sorry, sorry. Hold on. Okay. If you believe there's a man on the moon, I mean, if I'm inclined to agree with you. Great, great song. Oh, they put a man on the moon. Man it's not about the, the man. Ooh, the song is not ooh. about the man on the moon. It's about putting a man on the moon. It's about and a that man, Andy Kaufman. Oh, I thought it was about Jeff Dunham. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of his you one might of his, be a moonhead that's i think that's jeff foxworthy <laughs> Here's, really here, pro, all jeff comedians are bad <clears throat> prove me wrong audience yeah um not a good jeff one of those things where you corrected me and i'm gonna say uh-huh yeah and then not process that information at all no equally bad uh yes yeah, so i uh we talked about this a little bit in our defunct two episode series we'll call it a mini series we only planned for two episodes pod's not dead where i was raised uh in a very catholic household and then kind of through college went through a long process long process of oh maybe i'm not catholic to maybe i'm not christian to maybe i'm agnostic to oh i i actually actively don't believe in this and have a serious problem with organized religion specifically in that i thought it was causing a lot of harm so i read uh the end of faith and you know god's delusion and uh, god is not great and the only one that is not written by a monster uh breaking the spell by daniel De like read all those books um but i read all of them after i had already kind of gone from 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 uh, religious to atheist, right? So I actually was already there, and then that kind of new atheism wave came out, and so it was I was learning more about uh, different scientific components of it, or evolution, or neurological stuff. But I was not someone who became an atheist because of reading that stuff. Um, it just uh, obviously it was something that. I was interested in and uh and and so Bill Maher when he made Religious I liked Bill Maher and the idea of him doing a documentary eviscerating religion appealed to me. I saw it in theaters and I was pretty disappointed with it, but I did that thing where I wasn't disappointed disappointed is the right is well, maybe disappointed is the right word. I liked seeing like, oh, look how crazy this Answers in Genesis Museum was and all this kind of stuff. But 
I felt like he didn't engage with any of the people in a way that was useful. Like, I had had many debates with priests, with my parents, and I felt like they were good faith and they were fact-based. And they 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 actually attempted to understand um, what they believed as a way of kind of processing and discussing why I disagreed with that. And it just – it felt like, oh, this could have been some – this could have been a five-star movie – but I guess as it stands, it's funny to see these things and it's like three and a half, four star movies. So I, I actually like and then I showed it to a couple other people. But I it was around this same time, too, that um, was when uh, Sarah Palin, even though Sarah Palin is the fucking worst, it was when he started to be like overly misogynistic. And then when people called him out for his misogynism on it, on the misogynism on his show, he like doubled down and tripled down. I started to realize that he was seemingly incapable of taking even like helpful criticism or debate <laughs> yeah that's a theme we're gonna get to he feels he, he got stuck on an arc he 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 started an arc towards wisdom and then he got stuck yeah so 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 but it's one of those things where it's like you you start having that nagging feeling in the back of your head like religious did it a little bit i'm still watching the show and then like the monologue is getting Worse and worse, like to the point that I start fast forwarding through the monologue because he's yelling at the audience for not laughing. And like I'm watching, I, I'm someone who enjoys comedy in general, and I can tell you these are not funny jokes. And he just always seems so angry. And then, and then he starts getting to a phase where like he's talking about maybe vaccines aren't real, and he's really doubling and tripling down on how much Muslims are worse than other religions and stuff like that. So I, I still watch it because I'm like, well, I like the panel. I like it when they yell when Republicans come on and they get yelled at. Like, I enjoy that, you know, and uh, <laughs> it just it I think it kind of like when he did his big thing against the um, John Stewart, Stephen Colbert uh, rally for sanity or whatever in 2009, which was not like the greatest thing. But his his like criticism was so tone deaf deaf and so lacking self-awareness i just remember kind of feeling like i'm kind of done with this and then i eventually got to the point where all i saw him was you know clips of him on other shows that were always the the types of clips that like holy shit bill maher keeps getting worse so (laughs) it wasn't like he had a bad patch and then he was like all right right, i'll clean up my act but i'm not gonna apologize I i was just having a bad time yeah and so like it's not surprised that um that he appealed to me so really quickly before peter gets into his history with bill maher too like yeah keep going i still remember when i first saw him it was um clips posted on Either, like, one of those websites that I used to, like, check every day for new updates in 2005 and four, like, crooksandliars.com or Media Matters and stuff like that. Um, Albino Black Sheep, E-Bombs World. I know. Those are kind of different, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I I meant, like, the political, like, can you believe this shit they're saying on Fox News, right? And I remember seeing – so, and they gave these, like, clips, new rules, whatever else it was, of him just eviscerating the Bush administration for Katrina. And that – and I never watched Real Time before. And I just moved to Wisconsin. It was my first job out of college. And I watched these online. And so when I got cable, I got HBO with it uh, hooked up. And, and then I just started watching religiously. It just became one of those things that was like – that helped. And and the thing I liked about it the most was that they would bring these like Republican hacks and Fox News personalities. And 
they for some reason they kept coming on the show and it felt like the other guests who were a lot of times very smart and very people that I really like there's so many um authors and other uh, leftists and liberal thinkers that I like discovered for the first time uh, checking out their books after they guested on the show but I felt like it was the only one of the only places along with like the daily show where I could see some level of like truth being told to power but why I liked it even more than the Daily Show from an interview perspective is John Stewart. I felt like tried to, and which, which in retrospect again holds up so much better in some ways. In some ways, not so much. Like in he, some ways, there was there was yeah, there was a lot of like uh, I'm a moderate kind of shit that you're like <laughs> yeah. Um, or it's, it's like uh, yeah, it's like you don't need to bring Bill O'Reilly on the show so you, you can point out that he's a hypocrite. You he's just Bill O'Reilly's a monster. You should have never had him on the show, uh, but. But those clips were important to our growth. They were realizing that they were pointless exercises. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, but real time was even more like cathartic, right? Because he would be like, "Are you a fucking idiot?" And like, it's not helpful. It's not convincing anyone. But it was kind of what I needed in 2006 when you just feel so empty and powerless at like. At, like, what's going on in your country. So, for me, Bill Maher was just... Uh, he, he wasn't important in the sense that he was um, integral, uh, integral to my uh, development as, like, a lefty or an atheist or anything like that. He always was, for me, from the time I discovered him, someone who I enjoyed... Like, I enjoyed the choir's performance and I liked them preaching to me, Right. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm getting some I'm getting some emotional catharsis from him being able to do something that not many other people get to do. From a surface level, it seemed like we had a lot that we all were aligned with, you know, drug policy, religion, Republicans. He was also one of the first people and famously got uh, canceled on ABC for uh, saying that America had some responsibility for 9-11. Yep. And people said it was just him doing cheap, uh, you know, shock jockery or ratings crunch. And then when you watch the clip, you're like, no, he's setting up an argument that the reason that we got punched in the face on 9-11 um, is because... We were have been meddling in Middle East Middle East affairs and have been practicing a pure imperialism abroad for our entire history. But more recently, in the past uh, 30, 40 years in the region uh, from 9-11. Um, and uh, yeah, like we, we need to contend with our, our racist past and our imperialist past. And uh, that was that was one of the first things where I was like. Uh, I was like, this guy can speak truth to power, yeah. and then he found a home in HBO, and HBO was willing to protect him and and give him the access that he needed, give him the connections that he needed to get good interviews. They weren't going to censor him, even if what he said was like pretty awful. Yeah, <laughs> um, and and I saw that at the time in the mid two thousands as a a godsend. Yeah, it it felt like it, right? Because. Um... And especially for someone like my age, when I'm kind of discovering the world and politics and, and stuff like that in, like, post-2002, post-9-11, post, like, during the run-up for the Iraq War, that was, like, my first thing. Like, wait, why is everyone going along with this? We obviously shouldn't be – like, you know, you you feel impotent as, like, a 19-year-old who's like, wait, why – whoa, like, what? 
why are we doing this? Why are the adults saying, like, you know, I thought, like, I thought this couldn't ha- you You have a sense that there's, there's like, people, uh, especially if you didn't follow politics like I didn't, like, yeah, some people like the president, some people don't, but ultimately, like, people, you know, that, that, that presidents do the right thing, that senators and congressmen are, like, the Mr. Smith goes to wash, all that shit that you get taught in, like, you know, public school civics classes are, like, yeah, there's a couple bad seeds like a Richard Nixon, but, you know, they're good. Like, and so I just remember both kind of coming to terms with politics and 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 then also realizing, like, holy fucking shit. Wait, what? What are we doing? Why are people saying this? Why is everyone lying? It seems it's that it seems so obvious. And so, yeah, you, I did need that. Like, I needed someone to express my rage in a way that made sense. And because he was a uh, 20 at that point, um, 25, 30 year, whatever, stand up veteran, uh, he, he came up during the 80s comedy boom um, and then survived uh, the sort of uh, 90s culling of, of comedy clubs and yeah. sort of transitioned into, you know, political, like a lot of humorists um, tr- sort of transitioned into uh uh, you know, I'm not just a comedian, I'm a thinker, which is what, you know, John Stewart also, like, he was a stand-up comedian, um, who, you know, wrote some good jokes or whatever, but, like, John Stewart really found his home when he hitched his wagon on, uh, political, the political grind, and, like, uh, running a really good writer's room. Like, yeah. some of the, some of the best writers, uh, of that entire, like, mid-2000s generation, uh, came out of, uh, The Daily Show, like, writer's room. And, like, he, but the thing about Bill Maher is, and we, well, let's talk about real time real quick. Bill Maher modeled his comedy on, uh, he has a, uh, what's the structure of real time? It's a monologue. It's an open panel with uh, three guests, typically, yep. and then a special guest. That gets well, no, added. it's usually an interview subject, so it's... Uh, oh, yes, interview subject, but right after the monologue. Right after yes. monologue. Usually the least... Po- like, the the like here's we're going to bring the scientist on slot. Yeah, and it, it's it's so it's usually folks that are selling a book and and also don't want to get into the the frick of frack, yeah. which is fair because like just because you're a writer and you want to promote your book doesn't mean you want to like fucking argue with an ex-National Lampoon's writer and Ben Affleck. Yeah. Um, so then they have this open panel, which for many years I would say I would skip the monologue and get right to the open panel because I was like, this is the only thing on TV where we're in, like you said, like we're in open conflict with the other side and we're having like sort of non not polite conversations. Uh, then they usually have like a guest of honor. And sometimes And they it's join, usually like, someone pretty good, like that you were excited to see. Yeah, it's kind of a weird structure because they invite them later and then they're allowed to sort of engage or not engage with the debate as much as they find yeah. polite. Like nobody's targeting them, right? And it nobody's was a- targeting um um uh, w- uh fucking um uh not not John Williams. <laughs> oh, people are targeting Chrissy, John Williams. Chrissy Teigen's husband. People are jo- John Legend. Yeah, John Legend. Nobody's targeting John Legend, but he's allowed to come in as a sort of special guest and like snipe a little bit and make some good comments and be very erudite. But he doesn't have to like get in the pig pen. It was usually yeah, it was usually the celebrity spot. Yeah, and then he Bill sort of thanks the guests for coming. Uh, if it's a really rough segment, he sort of just pushes right into new rules. Yeah, uh, new rules is the um, 
it's it's a it's an oft sort of imitated uh thing. It's an oft sort of imitated model. It was his it was his commentary piece, which a lot of times made very good points combined with the hackiest jokes in the world. Yes. Yeah, so and then that's eventually what, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah and then eventually <laughs> I feel like, and again, I, I can't go back to the, the – I'm not going to watch all the old new rules to figure out if this was just my <laughs> – me growing or Bill Maher getting l- worse. It feels like the latter, but I'm more than willing to say it could have been the former. It then felt like eventually those monologues that used to be like, how can we deny uh, evolution in our classrooms and how can we – let this Katrina mess happen became to how can you tell me I can't call Sarah Palin a bimbo and how dare like it felt like to me it eventually turned into either him taking the most like devil's advocate like I'm just trying to talk about free speech point or defend himself from legitimate criticism. Yeah, and sometimes it was it, it it got into a lot of um savior sort of complex stuff where he's like he would he would posit himself as a free speech warrior. And the sort of conflict between his Johnny Carson style opening where a lot of the jokes are kind of clean. Occasionally he'll say like fuck or whatever, but like he he's not like taking a, a filthy tack. It's it's not what you'd expect from an HBO show or whatever. He's not taking a filthy tact on today's opening events. Like it's a lot cleaner than John Oliver's show, I would say. And then as the show goes on, it sort of wavers into his interests and his and it gets as dirty as he needs to get it to be. And then at the end, he has this like political diatribe that like new rules transitions into this diatribe and so he was kind of positing himself for years as this because of the structure of real time and i don't don't know the structure of his previous abc show as well i think it was Um, almost the same minus they didn't have new rules yeah which in a sense like hbo was a hero for picking up this guy that was slapped on the wrist for you know slapped on the head for uh not making uh, a good point yeah, for, for essentially hiring him to come on and have a political show. And then as soon as he made a political point that uh, was anyway controversial, they uh, they, they got rid of him. Um, just a weird home for a show like that, right? Um, <clears throat> they the, 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 the point that I'm making here is that the Johnny Carson style opening, um, which was on purpose. He talks about it in interviews. He's like, I wanted to have like an old style classic talk show opening sort of ease people into the program have like a sort of you know a little bit of a a standard interview and then we have the panel and that's my thing and i can wade in and i can get in the muck with everybody and like he talks about how he likes that sort of contrast and it fucking works like but i even when i got sick of i would get sick of bill and then not sick of bill and all that i would i would just skip the monologue and get in, in the opening interview and just get straight to straight to the panel and while while john stewart had some of the uh and then stephen colbert and some of the other shows that sprung off from that um not the modern daily show and not whatever the jordan whatever all of them kind of swooped up these ucb writers these nyc yeah. comedy writers and kind of plumbed from those those sort of uh these young really trying to impress people comics and then a few veterans on staff as well and and while that was happening i don't know who writes for bill maher but they're writing him these hacky really like uh i think straight ahead joke structures and like if they're funny i think he thinks that like like i was done with the monologue before i was done with bill maher 
Like it was yes, always yes. like it was like, 100%. do I feel like finding the remote to fast forward or can I get through this first six minutes? Like, <laughs> it entirely depends if you're like hungover or you're just watching like whatever sleep yeah. or yeah. what what is the what is the the time of day that I've decided real time <laughs> yeah. is happening because, because <laughs> yes. that age it was not I was it was not staying home on Friday night. No, no, it was it was a Saturday morning, sometimes Saturday afternoon show. Yeah. Um he must like those. So I do think it's Bill Maher because one, his stand up is full of that. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on his stand up, but like his stand up into the jokes in the movie too. So it's, it's important. Well, yeah, but I mean like his jokes in the movie off the cuff are like terrible and they're all monologue level jokes. Right. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying is it's all, it's all the similar sort of eighties, like very obvious setup, punchline, setup, punchline, like style comedy that like, and it's very hokey. Well, and let's talk. So let's talk more about the stuck thing. I want to talk about it from two perspectives. One, cause I do think that like, he is someone who I never watched politically incorrect. My guess is if I went back and watched it, there's a million things where you could say like, you know, he was, he made too many like homophobic jokes and it's probably all right. I remember him being considered very, like, at the time, it was a, considered a very liberal, like, show. And I think what we're going to get into from a political standpoint is that we did go through a stage because of the way that speech was seemingly controlled, like, by the Bush administration, right? Like, it felt like from the Patriot Act to, like, things you couldn't say to... um you know, Bill Maher getting kicked out of the air. All these moments were was it? Didn't John Roberts cover up the breasts on the statue of? Uh, yeah, Justice? yeah, John Ashcroft. John Ashcroft. There we go. Yeah, like John it, Ashcroft covered up the the, the 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 boobs on the the statue of a lady with a lady justice. Lady justice. Uh, yeah. Scales of justice. Yep. And it uh, and also like I remember reading like TV censors like post post nine eleven became this weird. If you didn't live in it became this weird, like, crackdown on cultural liberalism, which is, like, being able to say certain words on TV. Uh, uh, network sitcoms talk about it where, like, that you could say stuff like penis and bitch and stuff like that on, like, NBC and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, post 9-11, censors weren't allowing you to say that for, like, two or three years, which seems so, like bizarre like what did that have to do with 9-11 or fighting terrorism or anything else but it was like you know the the country kind of went through this like people were talking about that like a crusade like we positioned it as as a country as like we are fighting radical islam we are fighting this other religion and we're not fighting them as a country we're fighting them as a good christian people you had all these born again evangelical christians in the halls of power up to and including the president so it was a weird time it's it's much different like there's different evils going on now but this idea of like everyone needing to follow uh morality right was was like the point to the point that like bush's re-election was you know primarily orchestrated in 2004 by like can, uh, all these all these states putting uh banning gay marriage on their con- state constitutions that wasn't even you know wrongfully obviously but not legal at the time as a way of like uh, it, be- it became a cultural war so bill maher louis ck daniel tosh we talk about this where it was like all these people were pushing back against that and once that ended the 
and and maybe they were pushing back against it in a way that was uh and I'm in a lot of cases I'm not saying maybe is like a I'm not sure in a way a lot of them were pushing it back in a way that was ultimately uh extremely offensive hurtful to marginalized groups but you think of all of these like stand up specials that uh, seemingly like liberal people like ourselves like how many things like the Louis C.K. stuff were like, um, you know, he's saying the N-word and the other F-word and all these things. And we're all applauding him as like this, like, liberal ideal of a, yeah, of a they're feminist. Standing on, they're yeah. standing on the faces of minorities and standing on the faces of minorities to spite um, a puritanical conservative majority. Exact. That's ex- that's the right way to put it. Where it felt like at the time they were doing something progressive in a way, at like fighting back against these these regressive norms that have been placed on the culture. And what happened was is that when those when that kind of uh, faux culture war went away, you had all of these comedians that like. Still, were leaning on it in a way that the culture as a whole had had uh, moved past. Like no one's actually getting mad at you anymore if you if you are misogynist. Like it doesn't seem like you're a bastion of free speech. You just seem like an asshole. And so you have all these people that used to be these. It, like they they actually haven't changed the culture, and thankfully has has moved. But they're still locked in like this uh, fight with these like censors, and so. Uh, you have the Bill Mars of the world who like still think it is a political statement to make a gay joke, make a racist joke, make something else. And again, the political statement that it was making there sucked, even if the people that they thought they had to make a, a political statement against sucked even more. But they're just kind of locked in this like, how dare you tell me I'm being offensive I've been told that my entire career. You know who you sound like? You sound like George W. Bush and the Republicans and the religious conservative right when you tell me I can't call someone uh, transvestite. Like, And so they've equated any criticism of words they use, the way they portray people, as censorship from moral standing as opposed to just like we uh, we talked about that I think once about Matt Groening uh, I think in our time balance episode is a really good example of like someone who is equating like criticism of Apu being voiced by a white man doing Indian voice with um, Nancy Reagan or Barbara Bush whoever it was saying that like they're a bad example of the family like at some point their mind gets so fucked up in some way from criticism that they can't see like. All of a sudden, everything they do becomes uncriticizable, like political moment on for the side of freedom. Yeah, yeah, we we've talked about it in other episodes, yeah. but the, the the idea that um, sort of uh, challenging you think you're challenging, you're pushing forward this sort of like uh, political, uh, you know, like I, I'm not PC. Uh, I am not someone who uh, adheres to your language rules. Words are just words, man. And then they stand up behind folks like Lenny Bruce and George Carlin and yeah. Richard Pryor. Um, when in reality, like George Carlin would be sickened, absolutely sickened to hear that people were using 
his monologues to defend transphobia and being able to say whatever you want about trans folks. Like, the, the, they took some of these, these like, uh, liberal folks, and I use the word liberal because, like, using left-leaning is too generalized. I mean, like, folks yeah. generally opposed to George Bush in the mid-2000s uh, ended up, and these David Cross figures made a lot of, like, homophobic jokes. Like, I recently listened to a David Cross album I have on vinyl that I bought when I was, like, 16 and was fucking unlistenable yeah because there was this idea of i can say racist and homophobic shit because unlike george w bush and those and those types of conservatives i'm not trying like i'm fine with gay people right i am uh like i'm quote unquote fine with gay people i'm fine with black people because i'm not trying to stop them from getting married or having rights so i can say this stuff because i'm a buddy like it's that I can say whatever racist shit I want because I have a black friend. Like, that's where, like, liberalism, especially among comics, was in the 2000s. Yeah. And this sort of idea that the... Because they were... At, at, there was a period of time in the 90s going into, uh, you know, the 2000s Bush era where the word PC meant that you were a milk toast. You were using uh, these sort of deflating words that walk around human suffering. You were using marketing terms and business terms and yeah. buzzwords. And you were using, and you were also sometimes using terms that like uh, people don't necessarily, the, the people, for, you're white knighting in a, using more modern parlance. You're using, yeah. Uh, terminology that the people from the actual group that you're trying to supposedly protect don't care about like the term african-american is like been heavily debated on and like now we've reached a point where we're like yeah that's not even accurate to the experience of a lot of these folks because they don't consider their ethnic heritage through africa they said yeah. some of them don't con- like it's a whole and it's, it's still othering thing. them right because it's yes. like it's like you are hyphen american not american. yes yes it's a, it's a whole complicated issue but yeah. the point is that like this idea that we were you're using these um political terminology to obfuscate the truth and like that form of pc is obviously uh bullshit and that's the sort of stuff that comedians like George Carlin were experts at tearing down. And George Carlin was amazing at doing these like long, wonderful monologue. And that's why George Carlin stuff really holds up well. Is yeah. He usually was speaking truth to power and he was standing up for the little guy. He'd do these long monologues where he would, he would just basically make all of these marketing words that you hear completely uh, impotent and neutralized they all of us all of a sudden you hear them a second time after that monologue or you know a thousandth time i should say after that monologue and the words have no power and it's amazing like it's amazing hearing george carlin give one of those monologues yeah. and then um and that's like great that's like a, that was a great uh use of like oh i'm not you know i'm not pc and then at some point between bush and and Trump, people decided, and a lot of Joe Rogan types uh, especially, decided that PC just meant using any terminology that is used to protect uh, minorities or people that uh, generally white, straight, patriarchal society puts their boot on. And it's... It, it's well, uh, they, it, it, they kind of decided this... that they could be assholes without... Uh, beyond reproach like yeah yeah they they're carrying the same banner as before when it was a noble conquest so why wouldn't this be a noble conquest it's just so insane like that idea that like if you went up now i've never gotten to a a fight a actual physical fight in my life 
there's no part in Joe Rogan's head who has probably gotten into fights. <laughs> My guess would be that um, <laughs> that like well, Joe, yeah, Joe Rogan's a UFC guy. I'm sure he's been punched and punched a lot. But like, if you explain to Joe Rogan, Joe, or, or you don't even need to explain it, right? Joe Rogan knows that if you were at a bar and someone walked up to Joe Rogan, or he walked up to someone at that bar and called him a tiny dicked fuckhead. That that he risks making that person upset, maybe not leading to a fight, but he knows that best case scenario, that person is not going to like him. And he'll, he'll probably have some other words to say about what he just said about this other human being, right? Um, maybe that he's an asshole, that he can go fuck himself, you know, whatever else it is. There's no part in that scenario where Joe Rogan or any other person would go... Well, I, I don't think you understand, sir. I was just exercising my freedom of speech. <laughs> Are you politically correct? Like, that would occur to them that everyone, like, you laughed at that example because it's so ridiculous. You aggressively insulted someone, who someone's humanity, like, who they are as a person, not not an idea they had, not something they did, or something like that. And then somehow, though, the idea that, like, if you call... Uh, you know, someone by a racist, uh, stereotypical name or offensive racist name or a homophobic name or uh or anything like that. That that is a sign of political courage, not a personal attack on someone's being, and that that makes them immune from 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 criticism. That's that's the part that just has never made sense to me. When the all these assholes talk about freedom of speech, all these assholes talk about like you're just being politically correct is that by saying that they're trying to intimidate people into not, not being able to exercise their corresponding freedom of speech to say, Oh, Hey, you're a fucking racist asshole or homophobic asshole. I'm not going to listen to your show. And I'm going to tell other people that your show fucking sucks or your yeah. movie. Su- like I don't understand. Freedom from speech is not freedom from criticism, and I, right? Yeah, and I know that's obvious, right? I think most people listening to our show would go, of course, duh. I don't understand what's so hard. We can talk about this forever. So we'll get into, Peter and I watched part part of a new episode that we hadn't seen in a long time. I want to get into that. <laughs> I, ba- I bailed at some point. I bailed exactly halfway through. It was 30 minutes in. And, and I do want to talk, I do think that's right. I do think that what it became for a lot of these people is they – they took up the refusal to be self-aware of mm-hmm. the the Bill O'Reilly's and the Rush Limbaugh's and everyone else, and and sometimes stamp it with politics that you agree with more than you would agree with those. But like they they are ultimately part of the same disease that is uh, causing problems in our culture. And ultimately, I just think that Bill Maher does not give a shit what anyone else thinks. I just watched an entire movie that is ostensibly about Bill Maher interviewing people. It is so clear that he has less of an interest in what anyone says and is not going to spend a second to even understand what they're saying from their perspective, even as a means to, like, have an effective debate. Like, I'm going to fully understand what you believe so that I can counteract it. I'm just going to yell things at you, and if you annoy me... I'm going to leave or get or like be visibly like, no, you should have just said I was right. Like (laughs) it's like looking back on this movie, 
he seems as comfortable talking to people as if you put Howard Hughes going around the country asking like what they think of germs. Like, <laughs> like, like he doesn't care. He already has some very strong opinions of germs. Nothing anyone's going to say is going to matter at that. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a there's a false humility in the first thirty minutes. We'll get to, but uh, after I don't even that, know it's false. it is nothing but diatribing. Yeah. So the other part that he's stuck in is that. He still thinks all the shit that happened in the 90s is the funniest shit. All of his jokes are decades past their expiration date. Like, he makes a fucking Bill Clinton blowjob joke in real time on March 13th, 2020. Five days ago. We're recording this on 319 Thursday. Last Saturday, here's some jokes he made. First of all, he thinks that smoking marijuana is an act of rebellion. On par with like a union strike and everything he does. And and uh, by the way, real time shoots in California. Yeah. Um, he lives in California in a fucking palatial manner. He's been smoking weed in California for forever on medical marijuana, whatever before then. Uh, yeah. And he also thinks that weed is hilarious and that if you say that people are stoned. So he makes a like pot joke that would have seen eye rolling in the 90s. He, um, Makes a lock him up joke. That's the punchline that they should be saying lock him up. Well, you know, that's that's only five years old. That's pretty good for him. It's, pre- it's pretty recent. Uh, not hacky at all. Yeah, he makes a Clinton blow job. That His big ending joke to go out of the monologue and supposed to get applause is a Clinton blow job joke. Con- he thinks that because he's supportive of gay people, quote unquote, I say that with the biggest eye roll that you can't see, but... He thinks the concept of being gay is the funniest thing in the world, which we'll probably talk about in that one segment where he goes to the Pray the Gay Away, like where he's like, uh, what you're doing is damaging what I'm doing, saying a homophobic joke every five seconds like I'm in some sort of homophobic joke championship is not. I'm being helpful. But he makes a the joke is that gay pride is canceled, even though they told people to stay at least six feet away when you talk to the hand. Talk to the hand, Peter. Like, talk to the hand jokes. I knew talk were... to the hand jokes when I was in third grade, I feel like. And you probably thought everyone, like, it's like thinking the phrase all that in a bag of chips is still fun. It's like, it's an early 90s. It's not even mid or late 90s. And then yeah. every... And also, that's to be noted, gay culture similar to black culture... Um, if you, if what, if white boring people, white straight uh, cis boring people are hearing about it, that means it's ancient for the, they've already moved the fuck on. So by the time I had heard about walk, talk to the hand, gay, every gay person had stopped t- saying it. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a full, like they said it on full house. Like it was like, it was just a common. And then it just like, like all slang, it evolves. He still thinks the concept of talking to the hand is a funny they like is a is that's the punchline. So it's it's is it's a cheap it's a cheap stereotype, right? But it's all like that's every single monologue joke was like that. It was if he had done that monologue in 1997, people would have no one would have batted an eye. And this is also why I started tuning out of his stand up even when I was still watching real time for the panel because his stand up is an hour long version of this monologue that is never funny and it like it again it maybe would be funny if you were 11 Ooh, boys kissing oh that's crazy um 
What will they come up with next? Or the idea of doing drugs or having sex is funny, or saying the F word is funny, but like, it's so, he is, I I do believe other terrible comedians like Daniel Tosh and Louis C.K. that like, I have no interest in seeing again, at least I imagine if I went to one of their shows, I would go, that's a joke structure that makes sense, even though you can go fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which I, I, you know, that's the weird thing about Bill Maher. You said he's never funny. Occasionally, I've gotten a chuckle out of him. You know, one out of every 20 jokes, I'll get like a, well, yeah. And it's because he's hitting the same joke structure over and over again that, like, sometimes my brain reacts involuntarily because it recognize it's like pattern recognition. It's yeah. Like, I recognize this as the structure of a joke. Like, at least he's hitting punchlines, right? Like, the, the punchlines are hokey. They're ancient they're they're creaky. I already said hokey, but they're creaky and hokey somehow. And they uh they often put down minorities in uh under the parlance, under the umbrella of standing up for minorities. Of so or or that he can say whatever he wants because he's a he's a liberal. He's a free so. speech warrior, dude. Free speech warrior, and he's a liberal, so that that gives him uh gives him license to say shit. Um, but yeah, his set watching this monologue was especially funny. So let's talk about the episode that we both partially watched um i, I gave up during the interview because he uh, okay uh, par- parlayed into he parlayed into his atheism shit when no one was talking about it and i was like oh, buddy yeah. come on it, i got over it I-, I stopped doing this when i was like 20 uh yeah maybe let's, 19 let's talk about what he said so i made halfway through the panel the panel was uh either like so i do want to talk about like how the best thing still was terrible but uh, I did I did watch it. This one was especially funny because it was March 13th. So it was coronavirus. And so there's no audience. So seeing these hacky jokes with no audience and thus no almost no laughter or like one very uh, nervous grip who's like trying to clap for three people or something like that so that Bill Maher doesn't get mad at him. Because Bill Maher does not like it when people don't laugh at his jokes in this monologue, which is also like. I have trouble understanding if Bill Maher thinks like clearly Bill Maher thinks all these jokes are funny um, or he like wants to have obedience even in his failure. I felt like I could have been watching a Gabriel Gundecker uh, YouTube video or something because it was like he's he's a comedian doing these incredibly hacky jokes 25 years past their expiration date to almost no applause and is just effortlessly like trying to keep going to the next one it felt like anti-comedy person for getting mad at the camera person for not capturing the joke well or something like yeah he yells at his crew because the audience is empty because of covid19 uh the the audience is is uh empty for this march 13th show yeah it was so surreal that it was almost enjoyable. Yeah, so then he does this interview with the scientists about, like, uh, what we should worry about, which I haven't read the book. I didn't like some of the things he said about, oh, how Americans are bad at assessing risk properly, which makes sense. Like, he's like, we are more scared of COVID-19, which we should be scared of. That's a good worry, but it's because it's right in front of our face in the media and we're having trouble seeing, like, we can't worry about global warming. We should be more concerned about influenza. No, he said that we should be more concerned about global warming, which was a good point. But he said that, yeah, and then we get used to stuff, and then we don't assess risk properly. So you have people not taking flu shots, even though influenza still does kill 
a bunch of people and stuff like that. Um, and then he said, when he said the global warming thing, he compared it to it's kind of like if the threat is far enough away from us, whether in time or in distance, it's like we're looking through a stained glass window. And that's when Bill Maher jumps in to add to the conversation. He's like, do you know what has stained glass windows? A church. Which is also full of people that can't assess risk. Uh, <laughs> it was so bad. So then they do the panel. You gave up before this. I gave up halfway through the panel. <laughs> it was like, it's like his sponsor is Richard Dawkins. Like, and he needs to, you know, that's a really good point. I think I would enjoy that point more with Lucky Strike cigarettes. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it, it's that, like... It's that forced in where he's like, it's like he's a big atheism has <laughs> is paying him $5,000 for every mention. It, honestly, I think just for me personally, I think the fact that I realized that Bill Maher was insufferable about his atheism and that the Richard Dawkins are like terrible people and a lot of them, right? Like a lot of these new, like Sam Harris, they're all fucking just, just garbage people. I think that was and you're like, you're like, man, it's pretty interesting that you are able to, uh, I, I, I can bounce off my atheism off of, uh, you know, this, this like a uh, higher intellectual mind. And then they keep talking and you're like, oh no, you're just a racist who went to college. I feel like it's the Futurama thing with the with the country lawyer, right? Who like keeps talking about American freedom and then everyone's cheering and then he's like, like the freedom to marry my daughter. And everyone's like, boo. <laughs> the Bill Maher, the Richard Dawkins are like, yeah, good point. Yeah, I do think uh, the fact that there's politicians that are running our our country that are like rooting for a world war to end all wars to bring about the apocalypse is a bad thing. Yeah, good point. And then he's like, yeah, and also Muslims are terrible. <laughs> Should be. It's like, wait, no, you went too far. <laughs> Shut up. Maybe I don't need you on my side. But I think it was helpful to see like, hey, maybe I just shouldn't talk about religion with people that don't want to talk about religion. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to be that type of person. So anyway, so he goes into the panel and the panel was full of, so the liberal person was a campaign manager or, or social media manager for Pete Buttigieg. And the the conservative guy was Tim Miller who uh, you may know as the Republican strategist, who was who was a never-Trumper, but also uh, said a bunch of anti-Semitic stuff and was terrible. Of course, it never came up on the panel. Why would it? Um, and, and that came out pretty recently, too. Like, even uh, Pod Save America and those guys banned him from, his show, from their shows for being a garbage person. But, of course, fuck, he had Ma Milo, whatever the fuck his name is, was on. Milo so, Yiannopoulos? Yeah. And he was like, I, he was like, I, I need to get him on here so we can take him down. And you're like, is that, is that what you're doing, buddy? Is yeah, at least Jeremy doing? Scahill and some of those guys were like, yeah, I'm fucking down with Bill Maher. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, but anyways. Uh, All these guys have books to sell. And they're like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And whenever uh, somebody is like, Bill, on the right is like, Bill Maher said this incredibly offensive thing that even liberals wouldn't like don't don't liberals have a double standard and like my reaction always like yeah fucking cancel bill maher i would love to, i would love for him to be a can yeah. canceled i have no idea i think it's because he has this like maybe it's because he's been around so long but like there seems to be no real way to crack into his um his his audience base and like really get to them and he, he doesn't have he doesn't have sponsors which is you know one of the ways that he's protected which for 
a, a period of time when you know back when i thought he was actually like someone who who could, you know should be around and his voice should be heard even if it doesn't always sit well with me um i was like that's awesome that he's protected behind this wall and now i'm like other than complaining to hbo he's just gonna be hbo's like main because i think he i think he gets a bigger budget and he's on for more of the year i know he's on for more of the year than john oliver he's just gonna be hbo's main news guy indefinitely which feels like a tremendous waste of that platform like yeah we, we could have some we could have some like serious thoughtful uh, actual like iconoclastic thinkers behind that that wall but you play in like there's, there's a there's an actual space for some awesome stuff back there and that they can have super niche up ep- that's what's fun about john oliver he'll have an episode that's on a super niche topic and he'll he'll delve into a super niche topic the sort of shit that like comedy central will be like no you have 30 seconds to make a joke about this thing and we're not even sure and you gotta talk to george clooney what's what's that guy up to you know the show much like his jokes is just way past its expiration date like when when your when your news show's point of view becomes um you know marlon brando in the wild one like what are you rebelling against what do you got like yeah (laughs) it's not worthwhile anymore so yeah that and you could call me a hypocrite because yeah i don't know if his show was never helpful like looking back to kind of wrap this up and go to the movie there was nothing that I benefited from in any way, education standpoint. Uh, like I said, he didn't change my politics. He didn't change my views on religion. He, the only thing that was nice is I uh, sitting in an apartment that hadn't fully been unpacked yet uh, and hearing him yell about Katrina made me go, yeah, fuck that guy that I already have fucking hated for years. Like. It's not that it's not good to be know what happened in Katrina, and it should have been a national disaster, but did he add to the reporting? Did he tell a story? No, he just went on the, the show and swore about it and swore, you know, yelled at some guests that supported George Bush. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it was just, you know, it was it was like watching a um, a bully be pushed down. It feels good. That, what does it accomplish? Yeah, yeah. I think I I I think you said it as good as I can say it. Let's let's move on to the movie because I think what we need to do is focus on a specific topic that Bill Maher is very annoying about, and it's going to open up uh, all the points we just made that he uh, stunted his emotional arc, that he he has this hokey style of comedy that barely qualifies as comedy and is at times outright offensive for no seeming purpose and offenses offensive in a very uh crusty dated way in a weird way become this one trick pony for atheism and even in a documentary that has lots of room for nuance he elects to go for the softballs 90 percent of the time i mean if i had to hear one, we'll talk about it here in one second but if i had to hear when someone says something to him like really you believe in the snake it's like (laughs) Not what you're talking about, you fuck. Ah. All right, let's do yeah. it. Let's get. Let's 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 yell. Let's really have to make sure that this we have is to catharsis, break. folks. We need this. Yeah, much like real time, this is not going to be helpful for anyone. You all know that you hate Bill Maher, probably if you're listening yeah. to this. But Bill it's, Maher it's is is slowing down the wagon. We're never going to yeah. get to Oregon. 
uh, Oregon Territory with uh, this dead weight behind us. Much like the Full House episode, this is just for us and not as funny as you probably thought. <laughs> Bill Maher is literally, if we were on the Oregon Trail, Bill Maher is literally a, a, a massive 200-pound suitcase that we're all we're all literally using effort to drag along with us. And we can let go at any time and because it's just, it's just full of, like, diarrhea yeah. and rocks. Yeah, and Peter and I have been, like, talking about throwing away the suitcase for years. And tonight, <laughs> we throw, we're like, we, we went from, like, St. Louis to fucking Helena, right? <laughs> with the suitcase. And every couple, every couple of months, we're like, should we fucking get rid of this suitcase? Like, yes, I also hate the suitcase. And then we go, okay, then. The suitcase is still fucking there. So, guys, yeah. let's throw away the diarrhea, vomit, suitcase. Are you to talk about religious? <laughs> Let's talk about Religulous, a title that I can definitely spell and didn't have any trouble with typing into IMDb. Yeah, fuck you, Bill Maher. <laughs> yes, friends, pass the plate around, friends. Join us, friends. There's a ugly little weasel about three foot nine. Puffed up from crying and lying Cause her sweet little hubby sucking prong part time In the name of the Lord Get a clue, little shrew, oh yeah, oh yeah Jesus thinks you're a jerk Would he really choose Tabby To do his work, huh? alternate taglines for this one yeah let's skip alternate taglines um uh, and i'll do i'll do a quick i'll do a quick recap do a quick just do a do a quick recap it's it's gonna be as quick as like i think for the first time ever the Super Size me one was a 90 second recap because it's just these things happen and then this happens and then it's over and then we'll talk yeah about um this is a documentary bill maher's entire thesis can be summed up with this isn't religion crazy? Um, and then I, I actually think movie, it's just, hold on, sorry, not to interrupt you. I think the thesis is more specific than that. I think it's isn't everyone I talk to a fucking idiot? <laughs> yes. And then in the last eight minutes, he says, "Isn't everyone I talk to a fucking idiot and a dangerous one?" Yeah. So this, if uh, this so, documentary's title was "Why Are You an Idiot?", it would have been this. Like <laughs> you would go, "That makes sense." It's incredibly, it's an incredibly condescending effort from Bill Maher and Larry Charles, the director of uh, Borat and Bruno and the Dictator, and so you and know, Kirby like, and th- th- like Seinfeld, a mix and of stuff enthusiasm. that's very good and very mixed and very bad. <laughs> like I want to, I want to stress before I move past because I'm not going to get back to it. It is why are you an idiot? He doesn't explain to people that they're idiots. He goes around for a hundred minutes trying to get people to answer for the fact that they're idiots. He yes. wants them to defend themselves. Yeah, so that's that's essentially it. So um, Bill Maher goes around. He uh, he is he starts it off with a sort of humble beginning. He says, um, uh, "What is it? I have to find out. I have to try." Because um, he, he he doesn't understand why he thinks these uh, rational people um, could people that he trusts, people that he likes, uh, could also at the end of the day be. Um, so religious. And so it starts off as a sort of humble proposal, but he kind of abandons that after the first 30 minutes or so. 
Uh, no, I think well, no. It's... He does the he does the moment in the in the trucker chapel where he says like, "You guys seem like smart people. Why why is it that you're like this?" And he sort of has a camaraderie with like one group of people. And so, then after yeah, thirty minutes, we, we, we can go back to that. I actually bullshit. I actually disagree. I think that stuff is smart. I think that is smarmy bullshit because it it is, but it's less smarmy. It's at least him putting on a facet of um, humoring. Uh, sort of. Uh, I don't know if, if my point was I sit at the, the top of the altar and say, uh, "Don't actually engage in their arguments." Which again, people engaging in arguments about like philosophical and religious debates is a worthwhile thing to watch and participate in. He just they would say something. He goes, "Yeah, oh yeah, you believe in God? Well, belief is stupid. Oh, I I like doubt. Doubt's my thing." Slams the podium. And then later, I think that thing of you guys seem like smart guys. You guys know this is stupid. That doesn't seem, that seems like as smarmy as anything else in the movie. If I said to you, Peter, you don't really like that movie. You know it's a bad movie. You wouldn't be like thinking that I'm engaging in debate with you. You think I'm being an asshole. Yeah, yeah. And Okay, so what he's really doing is what you do when you're writing a persuasive essay in high school. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good call. You come in with a hard point. And then the teacher says, you can't just punch him in the face immediately. You have to have an intro paragraph. And then you do a, um, uh, I forget what it's called in debate, but it's like a set of uh, givens. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of conciliatory gift. Uh, it's, it's a way to start debate where, where you say, uh, it's, it's sort of like those clips of Hillary Clinton saying, you know, um, you know, Donald Trump, I, you know, I like his kids or uh, fucking uh, Bernie saying something nice about Joe Biden's history, caring about workers or some shit like people do this in debate sometimes for the first like in the first couple minutes um just to sort of set the stage yeah and it it, you set your argument up stronger by saying basically making it look like you've humored the other side yep um and then you immediately pull out your machine guns and start blasting the other side's debate uh, argument right um lawyers do this debate club kids do this politicians do this Bill Maher does it it poorly And Bill Maher does it horribly Um, So basically does that and then he immediately launches into He basically just interviews people That are religious um, And he thinks are are ridiculous But let's 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 pause that for a second though because It's with no guiding Principles like there is I kept thinking you mentioned debate I kept thinking about this Movie as like let's say this was a, a Term paper your college essay you would get an F on this. Because there's because no transition between points. There's no a sort of building building of points. It's just um, uh, chucking softballs and at, at uh, it's chucking softballs at the statue for an hour. And then uh, eventually he's like, all right, I need to set the statue on fire. There's no sort yeah. of built. There's no sort of build up to a point where the preaching to the choir feels like uh an an underselling point like i don't think anybody that's religious would even be slightly convinced by anything in this movie and also him sort of being palling around with religious people in the first 30 minutes um and having more uh you know friendly conversation um I could see that being a sort of convincing fact for someone who's religious. And then he throws away all of that, you know, in quotes, work uh, within 45 minutes. So I think that's the way to approach talking about this movie, right? So at the end of the movie, he makes a huge plea from Jerusalem about how 
you're going to bring about the end of the world. And that we invented nuclear weapons, but everyone's still following these religions. And he kind of goes through these vignettes that, again, don't connect. So really what I kind of think the best way to approach this movie is when we're talking about a section, which is probably just the movie, we ask what his point is. Because he has sections where he goes to, say, the Holy Land theme park. And he goes to uh, the Answers in Genesis Museum that has, like, you know, and he is not talking about, like, oh, look at the commercialization of this. It's just there's religious people for them there for him to call an idiot. And then he goes and he talks to some priests in the Vatican. He has one line about the Vatican being dumb and how, hey, if you believe the Bible, why are you surrounding yourself in opulence? And you could go, okay, so is your is your point that religion is just a like capitalist thing that's that's ripping off people for the sake of salvation that's something worth talking about oh no that goes away pretty quickly and also you seem to like those priests like is your point that like just don't be fundamentalist because these these priests that are like yeah fundamentalism isn't really doesn't make any sense and there was no such thing as science so you need to combine your faith like he seems to accept that so is is his point that we should do that no because in the next he's just calling people dumb that that don't believe that again and then in the back half of the movie he's like oh as long as i'm here i've been talking about christianity and catholicism most of the time i'm gonna do some other quick hits so he does this weird Scientology segment. He does um, he Mormonism. Then, he does Magic Mormonism. Mag- yeah, and he does, uh, and then he does uh, Muslims, right? Which is like fifteen minutes of that, and then he ends with his. All these people are crazy, and it is. And he just, uses Muslims as sort of uh, his uh, ramp up to say that all religious people are going to get us killed. And and Muslims, that was his thing on the show, right? That was incredibly effect, like, like which is also just that not get his show canceled, by the way. Yeah, that that uh, all religions. Oh, it's are, because a lot of liberals are racist. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, it, his because his, his his point is that all religions are bad. Muslims are the worst, and he makes a point in this movie where. <laughs> Yeah. It's true. It's it's true. He's like, That's his point. all right, but but I'm going to hold uh, these people to a slightly higher standard. Um, And, and it's also just fundamentally wrong. Vicious. Like, because, oh, yes, yes, because yes. just like with Christians, like, he's like talking about like, oh, well, there's a cartoon and these people, like, which is terrible. Of course, it's bad. That religious violence or violence in the name of religion, whatever you want to call it, is bad. The idea that that doesn't happen, but he keeps saying that doesn't happen with Christians. Uh, do you know about abortion, doctor bombings, and murder? Like, there is people who threaten people in the name of the of their religion on all sides of the aisle. Extremists, like Bill Maher, in his head has decided that only in this particular religion am I going to count this towards the re- the religion. And then he defends Christianity as not being full of these of people that would commit violence in the name of their religion, which is just wildly inaccurate and he knows that so i obvious 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 bigotry and he uses that in the movie where he talks about even when he goes to the mount right in mecca and he's like <laughs> or no he goes to the holy sorry he goes to the holy land he goes to the holy land theme park yeah yeah and he I, goes would would muslims yeah. be welcome here and the guy's like yeah of course anyone that wants to come and then he shows muslim shooting uh you know uh people from the middle eastern descent shooting guns in the air 
And his, I guess his joke is that, well, they'd come and kill you. It's like, would they? I don't think, I don't think they would, Bill. So why he said he would get an F if this was a paper is that nothing relates. I honestly walked away from this movie this time not knowing what his point was beyond look at these idiots that I'm smarter than. It's essentially a series of uh, it's it's a, essentially a series of um, out of the blue sort of attacks on people, some of which are yeah. not fair targets at all. No, um, and it makes you uh, if you're not an atheist partisan, <laughs> um, you're going to be looking at these people like, why is he being so cruel to a guy who runs a fucking Christian gift shop? Why is he being so why is he being so cruel to people that are completely harmless? Like and then he and then he'll go after some good tar- like that's the other thing is he does have good targets in there. He goes after Ken Ham who runs the uh creationist evolutionary uh, what was the An- answer Museum? A- answers in Genesis, yeah. Yeah, that that fucking douchebag. He goes after him and like that guy is also someone who is controversial in the sort of rationalist or atheist communities because like by Bill, Bill, uh, Bill and I had a debate with him, a publicized big TV debate, and, and lots of people were excited about it and all that. Um, but mostly people were excited on the Bill Nye side of things, yeah, the left-leaning, our side of things, and even I was like, "Oh, that's awesome! Like Bill Nye is going to take this dude down, down a notch." Um, Bill Nye destroyed him in debate. Like that's not that's not like no. I don't think anyone who is not insane could say otherwise. Um, but it made Ken Ham, his, his Ken Ham's uh, fortunes rose. The museum was able to expand a new fucking wing yeah. because people tuned in and were like, I don't like to see this guy get pushed around by elitist scientists and Hollywood celebrities. So like that's 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 why Ken Ham is weirdly controversial as a target, because like sometimes when you give these people a stage and you give these people a mic and you make us that you make them sort of seem like a fair target you are legitimizing them and their fans will will show up probably yeah people and people will get uh incensed by the fact that they got slapped around and won't necessarily abandon their beliefs because of the debate uh i think that that's that's pretty obvious um 99 of the people that tuned in to watch ken ham either turned it off and, and distanced themselves from ken ham but still kept their beliefs uh or turned it on and said uh my guy's getting attacked i need to support him in in some way even if it's just tweets or yeah. if it's money. Yeah, so there's there's situations like with Ken Ham that he is sitting down with people to talk about this, right? Like the uh, senator from uh, Arkansas or Alabama that he sits down and talks to. Um, the Pray the Gay, gay uh, Away uh, guy who runs the Change Clinic. Um, those are, I think in general, those are pretty fair targets. Although I would say even in the fair target which there are enough in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's he he's bad at it. Like <laughs> it, it's not help. Like yeah, and like we said, uh, Bill Maher stopped on an arc. Um, he pointed himself towards wisdom, and then stopped on that that ramp, and then even fell back on that ramp, and uh, it created a situation where he became a. Uh, it, 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 he helped create a situation along with Richard Dawkins, uh, Ricky Gervais, all of them. Um, 
basically. Uh, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Yeah. Uh, he helped create a space where I am, even as someone who does not, believes there is no God. I know. I hate, I'm you're going to say you hate I'm ashamed atheist. to yeah. use the term atheist. I know. Yeah. Because I, and also, he's also made it where this sort of like, there's a space where like calling yourself a rationalist. Oh my God. Someone who is, I know. Is, uh, is it, it, it becomes even more of that sort of uh, condescending smuggery that uh, doesn't convince anybody. It just toots your own narcissism and it just touts your own narcissism. Yeah. And it makes me and it pushed me towards where I am now, which is like a much softer. I know we talked about political correctness earlier, but like <clears throat> a much softer term, which is like I'm a secular humanist. And the reason, or I say is, I don't believe in God, as opposed to I'm an atheist. Yeah, yeah. Which, like if I had to, if I I'm had not to, part I, of I that group. Form, yeah, yeah. I'd be secular no humanist. Yeah. I identify with no religion. Uh, if I'm atheist or agnostic, it really is none of your fucking business. I don't believe in God, but it's really none of your business. And then the, the humanist part is more important. And I my think progressive, my, my progressive policies, sorry, my progressive politics, um, they exist to um, back that up. Um, I believe that we only have this life and uh, we only know that we have this life and that uh, in that we should make the world to... a better place for everyone. Yes. We the, the this sort of Catholic uh, obsession with suffering is um, a dead end and that um, people a lot of but yet a lot of people can get a lot of uh, goodness out of religion. A lot of people can do a lot of good in pursuit of of God. And and so like I, yeah. my 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 sort of distancing of of myself from the title of atheist and i know this is insufferable to listen to and i'll no, move on from there soon but like that is because of people like bill maher who have put a black eye on on the movement it's it becomes like facts and rationalism and all these things become uh shields in the same way that people saying like well that's my religion becomes a shield so yeah like you i have morphed into someone who is looking more for what people uh say and their actions are more for like what team they align with and that i've definitely come to see yeah people can use uh religion as an excuse to be an asshole and cause harm and that's worth calling out it's worth calling out that uh that you saying that you don't think gay people should be married because your religion against it or chick-fil-a's bullshit like all that stuff it's worth saying that that's just that's that specific thing that you believe whether you ascribe it to your religion or not is fucking uh dehumanizing and bad and in the same way that like you saying like all these 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 atheists and these rationalists like um yeah you guys say and do a bunch of bad terrible stuff too so it's no longer like well you're an atheist you're on my side um, not that that was how it was before. Anyway, sorry, I want to get back to a point really quick. I was even these targets that he's talking to that in theory are worthwhile to debate. He doesn't have a debate with him. And I think that can really be um example of that is when he goes to the prey, the gay away guy. That is a good target, right? A documentary about like those camps are abusive. They are torture. They are they have caused so much emotional, physical, like distress they are truly some of them literally use like physical abusive. torture and yeah. like sensory deprivation and some of them have been shown to use shock treatment and yeah. like when we use the word torture i'm not using this in some no sort of like exaggerated not, yeah 
uh exaggerated method i mean like it is giving people ptsd yeah it, it's i mean it's terrible and and bill maher so a great person to call out right um in general fine go have a debate with him that person's gonna look like an asshole sure that's what i'd get from it. like that's what i was hoping that this movie would be even if that's whether that's a good movie or not move or not a good movie that i would get some joy from instead he goes there to make a point that you're wrong Gay people are born that way. Being gay is not a sin. It's not um, It's not something that they've decided to do because of a Satan decide, you know, whatever else it is. And his way of debating him about this is just to go, come on, a few times, and then say a bunch of homophobic shit. Like, he, the person says, uh, no one's born gay. And Bill Maher's response, again, no writers here. No one's born gay. Have you seen Little Richard? Like, that's exactly what these, like, these these good targets, these people that would be worthwhile to have a discussion with to expose their garbage ideas or at least, you know, whatever else. He just is like, come on. Yeah, they are. Have you seen that super homophobic stereotype I'm referencing? So, yeah. <laughs> what is the fuck? Like, he does that with Ken Ham. He does that with all of them. And it's like, so even your targets that are worthwhile, that are fair game, you're not good at debating. You're not good at having a discussion. Many times you prove their point. And then the other thing he shows is that you can't just yell nonsense at strangers on the street. Like, that's not how debate works. I can't. It's why I've said to people, like, if I was ever, like, if I meet someone who's a Trump supporter, right? I'm not going to go and start arguing with them that they shouldn't be a Trump supporter because, one, it's too much. They have not come to the table to have that discussion. We don't have the same reference points. I don't know why that person's a Trump supporter for us to start having a discussion. And if I just start yelling stuff like, well, he's racist and he wants to build the wall and he's homophobic and he's destroyed our economy and he's like all that stuff would be true. But I would look like a crazy person. And that person who did not sign up for that debate and has not offered me their perspective, besides I know they voted for Donald Trump, would not go and go, oh, interesting. I've never thought of it that way, that I'm a racist for supporting racist. Like, no one's going to do that. He spends the other half of the movie literally walking down the street and yelling stuff about how, oh, you really believe in the snake? Well, you know, like, the worst part about that is when he starts running around Jesus land going, you know about Horus, right? Horus? Which is true. Yeah, Zoroaster, Horus, like there's lots of there's lots of similar myths to that 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 share uh yeah. all of the structural bones with yeah. uh, with Jesus Christ story. Which is a true thing that does not what does it add to it if you yell at a stranger walking in a Jesus theme park that explain Horus to me and then the person's like what are you talking about? He's like Horus you know, the same same story as Jesus in the Bible. Explain that to me. Like, what is that person supposed to fucking say? He doesn't know what you're talking about. He hasn't yeah. read the same material you have. And even if he had, you think that that's enough for them to go, oh, my God. Also, do you think Bill Maher knew shit about Horace 10 minutes before he was briefed for it? Because that was like one of his debate cues, like a weird, shallow Wikipedia dive that he went on. That like, there's so much of that. That's the other thing about this movie is so late. We talked about that with Super Size Me, that this the late to the party. Both of us watched that documentary, The God Who Wasn't There, that came out in like 2004, right? I think they were offering 
it for free if you renounced the Holy Spirit yeah, on you said camera. You yep. Did you watch that's that considered a, what, a mortal sin in Catholicism? Unforgivable. Never come back. An unforgivable sin in Catholicism that you could never come back from. Yeah, and um, that was another thing, though, that, like, he's constantly, Bill Maher's constantly, like, saying things that people don't really believe. So we'll be like, well, how do you explain that? And he's like, well, we don't really believe that. We think that's a story, but the story is like, no, explain it. Yes, you- the only time he, he, he uh, humors someone who's religious, there's two times, actually, early in the movie. Um to fit with the structure I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Early in the movie, he starts to humor them. And then after like 45 minute point, it's just nothing but these sort of cheap shot attacks. He He's talking to uh, Ken Ham and he interge- interjects the Ken Ham interview very smartly with an interview with a scientist dash Catholic priest. Yeah. That works at the Vatican. He's like the Vatican um, astro- uh, observ- observatory, yeah, observatory guy. Um, his uh, astronomy guy. Um, this guy knows his shit. Mm-hmm. He knows, he knows a little bit how to play the political game because he's smart yeah. and he knows how to stay out of the fray with Bill Maher. And Bill Maher seems to actually really like this old guy. Um, yeah. Two of them, both the astronomer and the guy who's outside the Vatican that doesn't want yes, to call it. Yeah. But I'll get to that guy in a second. Yeah, okay. Um, cause that guy's funny. Um, and the astronomer guy is like, yeah, yeah. Like Catholics are not really uh, scripture literalists so yeah. here's my take on this like no all of that like th- this sort of understanding of science wouldn't align with a book written 2000 years ago because it was written by people or sorry it was written by you know th- through divine intervention or whatever but you know it was filtered through man and it was translated through man. Like he's kind of talking about stuff that like is a typical sort of atheist talking point, but he's talking about it from a Catholic perspective on why we cannot treat uh, the English language, especially the new American Bible, English language translation of the Bible as a literal translation. And you need to sort of, sort of uh, view it more spiritually and more symbolically and that you can't take word for word as the, the, the divine presence of God. Which, which is a good, like, so that's kind of the Catholic that I was originally, raised with right and <laughs> I, I didn't get sh- i didn't get that shit till college so <laughs> oh no so i that's what I, I was very like so funnily enough my parents were very when we uh homeschooled for a little bit almost every other of the homeschool kids were fundamentalist christians and so my parents were very concerned that we would like want to become fundamentalists i guess so my parents went overboard on the very like liberal Catholic stuff. That only changed later on. They were still very strict. Went to church all the time, but they like they taught us that evolution. It was ridiculous that uh, the fundamentalist interpretation of this stuff. So they were very like, oh yeah, well God wasn't there to like in his revelations, whether it was through Jesus or in the Old Testament, to like be like, hey you idiots, the Earth is round, and here's a bunch of other lists of stuff you got wrong, like. That's not what he was there for. So that was for man to find out more about the world. His his thing wasn't to give history lessons or, you know, histor- or, or scientific arguments or teach them math or whatever else there was. That, yeah, that would yeah, go yeah. on too long. And, like, so that was what's so frustrating, too, is, like, yeah, I get that. Like, that was always a type of religion that I was aware of. And I think uh, Bill Maher doesn't. Like, it's the first time he's heard that Catholics could believe it that way. When Pope John Paul II said, let science answer science questions, if evolution and the Big Bang's how we got there, I guess that's the way that God designed it, you know? Yeah, which is, like, a pretty reasonable way to say there are divine mysteries. 
yeah. man needs to show a sense of humility. There's an argument that actually the crazy, the uh, Jesus figure in the um, whatever that passion amusement park is called. Um, what do you have the name on hand? Oh, I th- uh, I think it's the Holy Land theme park. Yeah, the Holy Land theme park. The the Jesus figure actually drops a pretty uh pretty standard sort of uh and and pretty uh elegant metaphor which is like try explaining a computer to an ant that's why that's how you know yeah. god's mysteries uh god's mysteries function um and bill maher doesn't even humor that like sort of talking point which is like actually no he does in the car right no so he he basically just keeps saying like he does the thing that you hate when people do in debates when you watch when you watch bill maher and you would see him yell at a conservative i'm assuming this is true of you you would get frustrated when he would say something. They wouldn't respond to that. They would just go to their next talking point. And what that the the Jesus talk with the fake Jesus is a really good example of what Bill Maher does that exact thing throughout the movie because the Jesus guy makes a good point. Like you're just not looking at it right, right? And he's like, and then he goes on to, so you believe in the snake? You're saying that's a metaphor and then the trinity the guy has his kid and he's a single father which is like again it's it's one thing do you want to mock which is i mean it's shitty but i guess you can make a movie about mocking or are you trying to understand why people believe with the way they believe so yeah, and then yeah. and then the, and he's not he's not riding the the, the wave of conversation and, and engaging as he goes he's coming to the table um saying yeah. debate me debate me debate me which yeah, yes, any yes. any Anybody that's been on Twitter or Facebook in the past uh, five to ten years can say, you know that those people are not operating in good faith. They're coming to the table with a set of debate points, and they want you to suffer through their debate points, even though you didn't come to the table to debate. You just wanted to fucking live your life. You're you're their zinger target. So anyway, so yeah, this Jesus says, then he says when he's laughing about the Trinity, he goes, well, no, I mean – you're saying, how can three people... Because I think he just says, how can three people be one people? Oh, Which yes, is, yes. And he goes, well, actually, how can water be water and gas and ice? We're not saying that they're, those are three separate elements. We're saying that they it's one thing that exists in different forms. And Bill Maher nods, and he admits in the car to Larry Charles, he goes, you know, that was a really good point. And then his response to that is is only but of course when you think about it for a couple seconds it's bullshit and he doesn't offer an explanation for that but yeah, that's you're like that's actually a pretty elegant it's metaphor a pretty elegant to like explain what is what is described by christians as the mysteries like that is that is the, the yeah you don't trilogy. need to believe in it but that that's the that's the important point right like yeah. if you're trying to disprove christianity by going how can three people exist in one that's a bad point because they know that, like they know that it's, it's called odd. a divine mystery. It's a divine mystery. They they know that that's not a normal thing. So it's not like they're going, huh? Three people in one. You know, I just yeah. thought some people were three bees. Like, yeah. So yeah. So yeah, it's um it, essentially what I was getting at is that Sorry, at, yeah. that that guy also throws out. Um, thank you for reminding me which point he thought was like even worth humoring but yeah he points out like try explaining a computer to an ant which is like a pretty good theological concept also like just fucking 
the grounds of cosmic horror literature, right? Like yeah. the idea that we can never understand the intent of gods. But that's sort of something that like the Catholic priest is hinting at, but without pulling out the big guns. He's saying like, yeah, like scripture is not to be taken literally, but it has excellent lessons as is. And like, I think that the, you know, the Catholic tenets can be a good guiding point for people in their lives and whatever. And Bill doesn't really challenge on him, which is great because Bill clearly likes the guy. And then, and then uh, I think pretty much after that, he's trying to interview a cardinal or whatever, and they turn him down. Thank God. At the time, I was like, Catholic cowards. But now I'm like, thank God, because it would have been a fucking waste of everyone's time. Um, but he interviews a priest walking around. And I think he's like one of those. I, I, they didn't like run down his fucking CV for you. But like, I think he's one of those priests who like. I think he's uh, retired. I think he's like this retired priest yeah. and like he lives he lives in Rome. He he's devoted himself to studies. He's he does a lot of reading and hanging out. Like he does like what a lot of retired priests do, which is like, you know, you get your studies in, you occasionally help out when the the church needs some stuff to do, but largely you're just like making dinner in your house, in your apartment I should say. Um and whatever and he brings this guy out and bill is like bill is like sort of bouncing off this guy the guy's throwing stuff at bill and he's like yeah it's, i don't know it's crazy whatever like you know this this stuff isn't stuff that's like worth like it, it's not he's like it's not really worth like getting into this stuff right now with a guy on the street with a camera like he's kind of he's being funny and cute in the way like old priests can be where you're like you either because a lot of old priests are either dead inside or they have a sort of like blase effect um which which makes them the most charming people on the planet where you're just like holy shit you've been in the you've been in this biz for 70 years doing the same shit <laughs> you're you're just a strange <laughs> strange guy you know i i've talked about i think that's one thing that i've really um understood more too is i've gotten matured a little and gotten past the point in what i believe that i feel like holy shit if you have the same information i do you're going to believe what i believe which is again is shitty but even Way more than Bill Maher's even attempting to do in this movie, which is just yell things at people <laughs> until uh, that they they don't understand, did not come to debate, and aren't like don't have a common frame of reference. Like the computer thing, I think is extra apt because one important point of any discussion or debate or trying to ostensibly understand people is you need a common frame of reference, and if you're just shouting out stuff to people facts you learned about why their religion's bullshit you you don't have a common you're not establishing something that you can agree on and here's why that's incorrect and i i think you know one of the most important points for me is as i've grown is recognizing value in religious components not just in the people that you know feed the poor and the sick and do really good works and um in the name of religion but also recognizing that, like, I can uh, say that Jesus was great in a lot of ways or things that he talks about with – I don't have to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I don't have to go, yeah, he's good. And he, like, I like what he says about rich people and I like his general vibe of helping those less fortunate um, and I don't need to – I'm vibing with this Jesus I'm guy. vibing with this Jesus guy. I don't need to group that. With the people that say that Jesus's primary concerns are global warming, being fake, uh, abortion, and gay marriage. Like, I don't need to ascribe these clearly bullshit things that have nothing to do with the Bible, even if I don't think the Bible is 
uh, is is a historical accurate record. Like I don't need to, I don't need to do that where I can find some common ground with people on that on that note. And same thing with priests. Like there is a lot of great priests. One of the one of the stories that I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast of like a way that I look at good deeds was was by my favorite priest that I ever like taught a religion class when I was in eighth grade. Him and I have had long conversations after I didn't, you know, believe in God anymore. That idea of that good I, I've told the story I don't need to get into it again. It's the the full version is in our It's a Wonderful Life episode, which is hard to listen to right now. Go to Spotify. That good deeds can be things you don't like doing. And that's important too. You don't have to feel good from the type of deeds you do, and that really like changed the way I looked at life in general. And I don't need to throw that out just because I don't agree with everything that the same person believes in. But you know, he wasn't. I can do that with people like Bill Maher because he's an asshole about it, and Father Richter was not. You know, and Larry Charles, at the very least, is an okay director. Like he's assembling this with Bill Maher. Like, what was there? I just don't even understand what their thesis could have possibly been um, in their heads. I mean, they're they're uh, comedy guys, New York comedy guys or East Coast comedy guys, I should say, uh, from the back in the, the the comedy boom. Larry Larry Charles yeah. literally wrote for Fridays the SNL yeah. um, rip thing, off, yeah. and then he ended up you know uh, working on Seinfeld because that's also where he met Michael Richards. He ended up working on Curb because that's where he ended up meeting um, Larry David. He worked on Mad About You and Dilbert. Like this was like this guy is in in some ways like a comedy legend, and then he made yeah. Borat, which I don't. I don't think people have seen Borat in the past decade, but I watched it a few years ago and it was like one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen. Like some parts of it have not aged well, but like I, it's still like absolutely mind bogglingly adept in certain moments. Um, yeah. And Bruno ended up being like half, half of it is really genius. Half of it is kind of miscalculated. Some of it is trying to face Americans with their, their um, gay fear, gay, like homophobia, literally like, uh, but uh, some of it is like feeding into homophobia. So it's kind of this mixed bag. The dictator is a movie that was also trying to do what Borat was doing, but doing it racistly because dictator is also informed by uh, the shit that's going on in this. Yeah. This sort of uh, Islamophobic uh, pro-Israel stuff that uh, infiltrates this movie at about an hour and 20 minutes. And then doesn't and then stop. Yeah. It, it, it gets its fingers in and you're like, uh so what's uh what is he gonna do with this and then in the last he spends the last like eight or ten minutes uh diatribing at you about how um the end of days is going to be caused by muslims basically um, yeah um, and so larry charles is a very interesting guy because in some levels i have a lot of respect for him for being there at some of the greatest like or at least weirdest comedy points since the, the, the 80s and then in another sense i'm like dude you've got shit to sort out <laughs> Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, we are kind of running short on time, um, and we could probably just uh, talk about how much we fucking hate Bill Maher in this movie We're, we're for running short on time as as long as uh, you you care about uh, editing length, Aaron, because I could do this for another fucking Well, that's my point. Like, I feel like we could keep doing it. We go over why each thing sucks. Yeah. yeah. Um, but 
But I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up two things, and those can count as my final thoughts, and then uh, you can go, Peter. The first thing is that when you realize how bullshit the thesis of this movie is, I'm just trying to understand how rational people could believe this. He undercuts that point extremely quickly because he describes himself believing in God into his 40s. I imagine he was 50 when he made that, and that's not a criticism like, oh, you believed in your God in God till you were 40, but you believed in a god or a higher power and various versions of religion your entire, like, most of your adult life. So why is it a surprise to you that people would be religious? It's never been, as someone who doesn't believe, a surprise to me that people believe in what they believe. I believed in it for a long time, so I totally understand why I believed in it. And and so it's just so disingenuous to have a movie like supposedly an outsider looking in why are all these crazy people talking about this jehovah guy when you know because you believed it how can you have a thesis that you yourself undercut it's like if you're like if you're writing a paper you're like let's figure out how they made the pyramids and in your second paragraph it describes scientifically how they figured it out how they how they made how scientists figured out how they made the pyramids and then you spend six more pages uh, going, but maybe it was aliens. It's like, what? I stopped reading at paragraph three. You answered your own question. What? Now I'm just hearing you ramble to take up space. It's just so shitty. And then the other part that just is really like, I think the great example of him just being an asshole to people and why would anyone watch this? And also just like, not only an asshole to people, but I'm not even going to pretend to care what you're saying because now... You haven't immediately, like, I really believe that he wants people to go, oh, yep, fuck me, I'm an idiot. You're right. In the same way that he gets mad when people don't applaud and laugh at his jokes. There's a scene where he's talking to the seemingly very nice man who runs a Christian gift uh, gift shop. <laughs> yeah, well, his only crime was becoming a Jews, for, a Jews for Jesus member who became a Christian. And yeah, it's his only crime. And maybe he's a terrible person. I don't know. But he's going around the gift shop and then he's pointing to stuff and just going, this is dumb. You believe in the whale story? Oh, great fish. This guy is actually, regardless of of anything, is once again just a the epitome of patience. The fact that he doesn't go, you know what, asshole, get the fuck out of my store. And instead just keeps walking around, keeps trying to do the Christian thing and not and 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 not be a jerk to this this human being who is treating him like garbage and then at one point he's like so you believe what when you die you get to heaven and he goes yeah i believe that if i live a good life that when i when i die i get to enjoy paradise for the rest of my life oh well if you're so excited to get there bill maher says why don't you kill yourself and the guy just kind of stares at him and like it is such the like that 30-second sequence is like why Bill Maher can fuck himself all the way in and out of town. Because, one, he knows that, like, if, if you're just going to take the facts of the matter, why why people who are religious don't kill themselves is, is not because they don't want to get to heaven. It's because they believe that killing is a mortal sin, they would go to hell. Like, everyone fucking knows that. Bill Maher knows that. So even just from that perspective, like he knows the answer. He just is being an asshole. Like, obviously, this guy who seems sweet and wants to go to heaven 
Well, he's not going to get to heaven if he kills himself. So that's one. Why would you say that to someone? Two, why would you say to someone to kill yourself because you're getting annoyed at them? Like that is the sort of things that to use the internet parlance get people insta-banned from groups on, on Facebook and other places. Like that is like literally the most triggering, shittiest thing you could say to another human being. And also a sign that you've totally lost your own point and now you're just yelling threats at people and and see he kept all that in the movie he thought that him getting annoyed that this person wasn't agreeing with him and telling him to kill himself was good he thought that was him doing a good job it it is so telling at how morally ethically bankrupt he is as a human being to but you think if you say that in a moment of frustration that you would go shit we'll get that out of the real you don't get that out of the movie that looks i look terrible and they also were not talking about suicide this wasn't a uh a christian therapist who recommends praying over taking medicine no, he just said he's uh, trying to live a good life because he's excited to go to heaven. And Bill Maher says, oh, if you're so excited to go to heaven, why don't you go kill yourself? Yeah. And so, okay, there's also a moment yeah, that so. connects with this, which is the trucker chapel, Yeah. Um, which which really bummed me out because I have a member of my family who uh, was a uh, alcoholic and mm-hmm. working class alcoholic. And he found Christ and it helped him get sober. And like, he's a much better father and husband and all that now. And like, he's a, he's a sweet dude. And like, he, he went to groups like this. And like, he it basically like, Christ was the prism through which he purified his life. Like, Christ was the prism. Because that life, that, that like, trucker lifestyle especially, is so rough on the human soul and for a lot of people like the easy escape is like all right well uh you know i'll get to tulsa and then i'll get loaded and uh then at least i can you know i had some fun today like i i had a miserable fucking day driving on the road but i had some fun today um and not all truck, not all truckers, not all drivers are, are this miserable. But like, it can be a very dehumanizing. Hashtag task. not all drivers. Now, but you know what I mean. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not here to yeah, say I if know. you drive a truck, you're fucking miserable. But like a lot, a lot of them, it's like so it's it a is a tough job. Task. If you got to work any job it's for a dehumanizing task, yeah. wages are going down. Union strength is getting lower and lower because corporations are stepping on them. Like it's, 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 it's a crappy place to be in for what is a very demanding job in terms of mental and, and physical stress. And it looks like you're just driving a truck all day so people undervalue you um and he him going in this room with a bunch of folks who uh, maybe have had substance abuse problems maybe have been suffered with depression like there's a reason these guys are here yeah. instead of the bar or the slot machine or reading in their truck there's a reason or just yeah like doing something healthy like reading in their truck or socializing or whatever there there's a reason they're here the road is a lonely place and he shits on all of them. And then at the end, he's like, pray for me. And at the moment, at the beginning of this movie, if you're taking this movie in good faith, you take it as like, a, oh, this is Bill trying to humor. This is him humoring the argument. Given in the context of this movie, this is him essentially offering up a bunch of soft target rednecks for him to make fun of. Yeah. And it's so depressing in retrospect that these folks were like, 
enjoying their day the priest said yeah come on in like let's have a conversation about god and then he proceeded to literally like stand in front of the the pulpit and yell at these folks in a way that's like so condescending so smug none of them are going to be converted to his cause and at worst they're just going to lose their faith and have one less thing to keep them going like when he picks these wrong targets when he goes after ken ham awesome when he goes after the gay conversion therapy psychopath awesome well except when, that he proves their points more but anyways yeah yeah when he but i just theoretically mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know structurally when he goes after uh when he goes after um what's this called i don't know the guy that's in the four tops yeah he clearly oh yeah that guy that the, the super corrupt priest who yeah. just like f- clearly is funneling money from his church yeah. right like that guy like Great. All of these guys are are using religion as a means of control. When he goes after um, televangelists, he goes after the Westboro Baptist Church, like all fair targets. When he goes after people that are just trying to eke out some sense of hope in their life through religion, it's it's offensive. And at the time, it doesn't feel offensive because it feels like he's humoring them. But by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, you just needed to make them part of your propaganda. And he yeah. titled the movie like A Search for Spirituality or something when he was making it so you could trick people into being on camera. And there's this awesome moment. Yeah, there's a the few diff- times where people are like, wait, what's this movie about? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there's there's moments in this when he, and he also interviews uh, Geert Wilders, who's like a famous Islamophobic asshole. And he like pals around with Geert Wilders, who's like, He's not quite a Donald Trump, but he's like someone who Donald Trump would find very agreeable. Like he's someone who is very uh, xenophobic and like wanted to stem Syrian refugees coming into his country, coming to the Netherlands um, and like held on to that Islamic phobic position for years until he became basically like almost a, a soft right wing icon because he is kind of like socially liberal like he likes like uh social welfare programs but like uh in terms of letting folks into the country that need desperately need help and aren't white yeah um horrifically racist well that but but you see that a lot ultimately the only thing that bill maher wants is for people to tell him he's right so when people agree with him even like the the priest, the retired priest, who's like, yeah, well, hell's kind of silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes Bill Maher happy because he's agreeing with him. That's all he wants. When people don't immediately agree with him in this movie, he literally has no patience to talk to them. Which, again, for a movie about getting to know why people believe in, in religion, how can you po- – and, and having a deeper understanding of something that by your thesis you disagree with – he just immediately gets frustrated if, if people don't laugh at him and he, and and tell him he's right or go that's a good point like he really is in in that same Donald Trump way he is someone who almost uh, obsessively needs some form of praise whether that's an applause laughter people going you're right and that's like ultimately he he follows that trend. It's why, like, I remember watching that uh, Milo clip, right? And people were rightly annoyed that he was on the show. And then even more annoyed that um, he, when uh, he said that basically trans people were fake, that Bill Maher goes, oh, I, you know, agree with that. When you watch the clip 
uh, Milo, uh, whatever you can say about him, which is a lot and deserve it, he is, like, smart. He's smart about being media savvy. And he didn't say, here's my point. Do you agree with that, Bill Maher? He references one of Bill Maher's things and says, here's why – and then says his point as if it's agreeing with something that Bill Maher says and has said before. And then Bill Maher, of course, because he's a narcissist or whatever else, immediately goes, oh, yeah, yeah. So, of course, yeah, I agree with that. If you praise Bill Maher, he'll be on your side about anything because he is only looking for – approval and the last thing i'll say about this movie i know we did final thoughts but like you said peter we can keep going some of this would be forgivable if any of the movie was funny but at the end of the day like i said it's all bill maher's monologue level type like even his insults which are shitty and aggressive makes him look like an asshole definitely does not like convince or even reinforce to people nothing is funny here saying you don't believe gay people are real because a little Richard, like what? Who is that funny to? Even if I was a homophobic asshole, I probably I would probably want someone more recent. Yeah, you know? stepping on the faces of minorities to slight conservatives. Yeah, it's 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 just incredibly like so. That's why like when I saw this movie, I felt a need to like it because I liked Bill Maher and I didn't like religion, but I never was like truly like on board with this movie in the way that I was like a bowling for Columbine or Fahrenheit nine 11 or something like that, because it was like, it was not funny. And even though I liked all the people that Bill Maher was going to talk to, especially on those, you know, the higher echelon worthwhile subjects, it was always like, why didn't you say this? Like, why, why didn't you talk? I wanted to hear more about this. Like it just was uninteresting to me. It felt like it didn't even felt like it was preaching to the choir. It felt like like it was like the choir pushed over someone and was like, "You like that, right?" And I'm like, "Not really. Can you just sing? Like you're a great." Or I guess I'm in the choir. This metaphor is not great, but my point is is that uh, it didn't it didn't even uh, why I liked real time in the first time, which is you get to yell at idiots that I hate. Yeah. And you, you, we talked about this a lot earlier, but this is a shittily structured movie. The argument structure is terrible. Um, and that it, it, it's, it's, it is preaching to the choir. There's, there's no way anybody would feel anything, um, s- approaching, uh, the beginnings of a journey, uh, with this movie. I, I, if you, if you did, if this movie changed you from a believer to a non-believer, please write in. Cause I, I'd be fascinated. To hear yeah. That. And please tell me where you're writing those letters to, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Please write in, um, to my inbox PO box. 69 actually Uh, please please hand deliver them if you can get out please hand deliver them uh please tie them to a brick uh but uh but there's a moment towards the end when bill is a about to clearly go off um on his anti-palestine stuff um (laughs) and then he backs away from that cliff and gets rid of uh this this uh rabbi who is pro uh iran and he cuts the interview short um and then the movie that between that segment and then another two segments this movie is basically has 30 minutes of delete 20 minutes of deleted footage that they keep in the movie because they that's good that's good value i think like yeah you're talking about the person who invents ways to not work on the sabbath 
Yes, yes. That and uh, the the uh, the rabbi who is uh, anti-Zionist and then the um, the the cult figure in Florida, uh, Miranda, um, he who he uh, Bill decides to intercut clips of Miranda being totally chill and calm with him uh, with Scarface clips. Oh, yeah. Um, to be the- some sort of like weird four dimensional racism. He's taking a movie that's already pretty offensive uh, and then uh, <laughs> tacking on uh, a weird intercut clips from a at that point. What is it? 28 38 year old not 38 like 32 year old movie um of of scarface of this um guy who's acting crazy like he's setting up the jokes are all there just in the weird way this miranda guy talks uh by the way this miranda guy I, i i googled him he died of cirrhosis of the liver so uh and he his cult was pretty small like in the hundreds yeah he so, thought like, he was jesus if you didn't see the movie he thought he was jesus should, yeah. yeah so like again bill going after pretty soft targets um uh not somebody who would take donations and but never had like an insane amount of money and never had an insane amount of followers so he goes after these three these three characters they're all sort of religious weirdos and like while these would all be interesting if they blew it out to like a show and they each got their own 20 minutes to explore why this is a strange you know sort of uh the, the movie feels like a pilot in a way. Like maybe that these would all be episodes. Well, that's, um, that was something I said earlier. Like you can go through every segment and go, okay, what's the point of this? Are you saying like, okay, so the guy who doesn't want, who invented things to work on the Sabbath, what's your point that, uh, that people should use their brain power for other things that are like, who cares? It's kind of like I actually think that he sets this up earlier because he's. You mentioned that he does cutaways. He's really bad at it. He does like, like it's almost like again, once again, just the laziest shit. Like it shows a priest and someone says he's tough, and then he shows some weird clip from a movie called Helltown. Like it's not insulting to the priest. It just kind of takes up time. But at the beginning of the movie, he's showing why religion is bad through this clips, and he shows you know the Westboro Baptist Church atrocities being committed and then at one point he shows people thanking god uh, sports athletes thanking god for winning a game and britney spears thanking god for winning an mtv music award are those two reasons that religion is bad like you think that michael irvin saying thank god because he won the football game like that's one of the reasons why religion needs to be stamped out or that because MT or because Britney Spears won the award. There's just no anything. It's just uh, it's it's Marlon Brando. It's what do you what are you angry about? What do you yeah. got? Yeah. And it's it, the reason I say this feels like a pilot for a show is because that that's all cutting room material. Like, it is. It's yeah. made, it kills the pacing. Like this is really like a 60 to 80 minute movie that stretches its way out to an hour and four. Like even if I were on board and I thought it was fun to keep taking down these figures, even even when I watched this movie in 2008, 2010, whenever I, I first watched it. Um, yeah, you weren't like, wait till you get to the guy that doesn't want to work on Sabbath scene. Yeah, I was like, the pacing for this movie yeah. sucks and it's a bad argumentative structure. Um the last the last eight minutes is really like even at the time even as like a yeah. pretty strong atheist in whatever 2008 um 
the last eight minutes where he goes off on this tirade against religion, this this monologue is similar to the structure of real time, where at the end he just goes off the 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 deep end onto a monologue, and sometimes they're you know, it's it's him standing up for the the little guy, and in this case, it's him standing up, it's him attacking, um, him pretending he's standing up for the little guy in the state of Israel and uh, the Jewish people abroad, but instead he's using it as a way. There's ways to defend Israel's existence without also undermining uh, the humanity of of the Palestinians, yeah. and he does not even humor that he never he never he never even takes like a moment to consider that uh people that live in the gaza strip might be people people that live in palestine might be people uh (laughs) muslims that live uh near within uh, 200 miles of israel might be people Mm -hmm. um that iranians might be people he doesn't humor it at all he goes on this this awful tirade and then he has the gall the fucking balls to pose with this humility of doubt at the end of it this like false humility (laughs) yeah that he's like and what i people are offering you shitty answers all i'm all i'm saying is have a sense of doubt and it's like so it's so smug and condescending and you know he doesn't fucking mean it because it's after this this straight up I, i don't even know it's it's a fascist statement like this fascist statement that he associates uh an entire billion people group billions of, of human billions, beings yeah. as monsters it's mm-hmm. it's vile yeah Bill is a fucking monster but yeah it's again like you see it's the emperor has no clothes like all the things that you got frustrated at watching him yell at people where they wouldn't answer his questions, they wouldn't answer for what they had to say, their points didn't make sense, their like overall thematic purpose for being didn't make sense is all right here. He's the same he's the exact fucking same of everyone that I used to watch his show and go, I hate you. Bill Maher's exposing you as a fraud. This movie exposes if you I mean his show probably does too, but in this really like long way because Bill Maher's the star it exposes him as just a complete fraud. He's not a merchant of doubt. He's just lazy. He's lazy and ultimately, um, he's he's unintelligent or uncurious to actually learn anything. He yeah. much like Super Size Me, he's late to the party. I mentioned this. He's four years after the New Atheism Revolution. He's repeating like half listened to talking points. He's not engaging anyone on his terms or their terms. He's just looking to make himself look smart. Other people look like idiots. And I really do believe that he thinks that people are going to applaud him and he gets angry when they don't. He just he just sucks so much, Peter. He just he's the worst. And then I actually thought this is what you're going to say that he had the gall to do. Yes, you're right. It is galling to go, hey, after I've called everyone idiots, I'm just saying maybe maybe have some doubt, which is obviously not true. But actually, I think the bigger gall is that he has the fucking mm. money. You know what I'm going to say? Oh, no, dude. It hurt me. I, I turned the movie off immediately. Do you want me to do you want me to say it or do you want to say it? I'll say it. I, I actually it, it actually is more galling because it made me continue to watch the credits because I like the song so much but he has the gall to end with a fucking talking head song he ends the song he ends it with one of the greatest one of the greatest of all yeah, time all time Road to Nowhere 
by the Talking Heads. Talking Heads is my favorite band. One of my um, favorites. Made one of my top five albums of all time. Yeah, it, Talking Heads is, is my favorite band. I, I listened I listened to Talking Heads, if not daily, then uh, <laughs> five times a week. Um, they, <laughs> you, t- they, you took off weekends. At the weekends, I just listened to The Forest by David Byrne, which is the album he made with a big orchestra that nobody likes. Um, so Did he uh, make one with Brian Eno? He made two. He made oh. an, a, a sort of cool ambient experiment, and then he made one that's just a straight-up really cool like pop album. The pop, I've heard the pop album. It's very good. Yeah, so, it's got Strange Overtones. It's like yep. a big single off of yep. it. Good album. Good album. Um, you should play a Talking Heads song at the end of this episode to associate Talking Heads with good stuff instead of bad stuff. I feel um, like it still would associate with bad stuff. Cause yeah, we, yeah. I'll just play a different Talking Heads song. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, I'll, I'll head us towards the end because yeah. we're getting long in the tooth. But I gotta go to bed. I gotta pee. Yeah, you gotta go to bed. Um, so... I'll, I'll make it quick because we've been ranting for a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of rants might get left. Much like our full house episode is that our uh, our excuse to get this all out of our system is still going to leave an hour plus on the cutting yeah. room floor. Because there's so much we got to get out. But this is it. This is it. No can more I, Bill Maher. Can I give you a few stray thoughts that stray I can't thoughts. anywhere else? Yeah. All right. Well, number one, Vincent Price played Brigham Young in a movie. Oh yeah, I noticed. Did you catch that? that? Oh, of course. I have yeah. to watch that. What the fuck? Uh, the movie's called Brigham Young. Yeah, from like 1940 or whatever. Yeah, um, gotta watch that. Holy shit, uh, that sounds insane. Um, number it's kinda two, like, it's kind of like when you find out like Peter Fonda made that Fountainhead movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like what? Yeah. Um, and then uh, n- Henry Fonda. number two. Do you know what the number one screen average was that beat out uh, this movie? Uh, no. Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Uh, probably has more. Probably has more interesting things to say about religion. Honestly, I'm I'm very happy with this. I talking dog movie. Uh, I would rather listen to a dog talk than Bill Maher, to be honest. Um, any day of the week. Um, and number it, three is that they should make a religious that's just about comedians and all the harm they've done to the world, and then end <laughs> with an eight minute segment that's just clips of Louis C.K. talking about his dick, and then clips of his victims or the talking thing about where, it. Or like, where Ricky Gervais is the N word on that one talking comedy special he did. Yeah, yeah. And then we're talking about all the awful things that the comedians have done, and then just play two minutes of Ricky Gervais making jokes. Um, so the the we we need a religious that's just for all the harm that comedians have caused uh, on the earth. Um, and, and actually, my real final point is that um, I'll make this quick. Republicans have no fucking standards. Conservatives have no fucking standards. They don't reject people. They, they, if, they're, if you're on their side of the fence, they say, come on in. And whenever I see liberal and left-leaning folks do that, I get disgusted. Yeah, that's fair. We need to have fucking standards. And we need to reject people that uh, we need to reject people that 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 don't hold our our belief systems and seek to undermine the humanity of actual democratic voters that are just try- the only reason that a lot of these folks are part of the process is because they want a part of the American experiment and they want to be able to live a decent life. Like we don't need Islamophobics in here. We have people from all over the world that practice islam people from the middle east that are incorrectly associated with islam were indian and pakistani people who were beat up after 9-11 because people assumed that they were uh they were you know associated with islam um which is 
interesting for the Indian part uh, in particular. Uh, very fucking tragic. And those people, when they choose to engage with the Democratic Party, are saying, I want to be part of the American experiment. I want. I am an American. Uh, what I'm asking for the my 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 cost for coming to the table is treat me like a human being. Bill Maher's offering to the table is pretty much nothing but hate, and his cost to us is that we accept Muslims, Arabic people, Persian people, women, people from fucking Thailand that practice Islam, gay people, a gay people anybody that he thinks is a uh, somebody that scares him. It needs to be targeted. That is his cost. His cost, he offers hate, and his cost is more hate. We don't need him. We can move on without him. Yeah, I think it's a good lesson that you have to learn. If you don't learn it, you become the fucking worst. Is that, <laughs> um, A, just because you latched on to someone, they either shaped what you believed or uh, reflected what you believe, doesn't mean you need to follow them off the fucking cliff into... Like, nonsense. Like, you are allowed to shed people, real people that you know in your life, uh, celebrities, scientists that you – politicians, philosophers, whatever else that you are like, oh, I liked him initially because I thought he had interesting things to say about name your subject. Uh, Oh, but then he said – uh, so he, he was he really was against global warming. I like that. I didn't like the part where he thought that we should stop global warming by uh, murdering all the dogs and living off there. Like you're allowed to uh, to compartmentalize what people you, you don't have to compartmentalize what people say and like align yourselves with human beings. You can align yourself with ideas that you believe are important and then. Uh, if people are destructive in the other ideas that you don't necessarily believe in or are actually against, you could be like, fuck that guy. And I think what ends up happening, and this is just theorizing from people I've seen in my own life and probably me at a younger age too, is that you don't have to be worried that just because an asshole believes what you believe that if you if they get taken down or if they uh if they get proven to be an asshole that that somehow makes the good thing that you believe uh no longer a good thing there's there's so many things that ultimately have either binaries or shades and um you can just hopefully believe what you believe in a way that makes the world a better place and better for people and all that kind of stuff and you don't really need to align with anyone if you don't want to and uh like, that's what happened with me and Bill Maher. There's just at some point there was too much of a load I was carrying internally, mentally, to continue to watch his show. Um, I had to ignore a lot of things that I didn't want to ignore. And I didn't ignore other places in my life. And that was a decision that I that I made. But sometimes I get it. It feels like it's why it's so hard to, like, quit a TV show uh, that you started to hate, right? <laughs> like, if you're watching Entourage, it's why I finished Entourage. It stopped being good somewhere in the mid-second season, but I'm like, well, I already started it. Maybe it'll get good again. And it's not going to get good. Just stop watching it. Stop. There's other shows. You can, you can get off this bus. Um, you can get off the so, bus whenever you want. Yeah. So, uh, Aaron. Yeah. It's going to be quite an editing job for you. It's I fine. imagine I did it with the editing job for me on that Michael Moore episode is going to be brutal. Yeah, especially because I keep watching Michael Moore movies <laughs> that yeah. we're not that we're not technically covering. 
But yeah, what? Uh, so what are we? What are we? What are we covering? So what's, we, in, what's in the brackets? So the brackets are originally we were just going to do Fahrenheit 9/11. It felt like it made sense to do Bowling for Columbine because that's kind of the the reason that all of us liked Michael Moore and went and made Fahrenheit 9/11 the number one documentary of all time is either directly or indirectly indirectly related to Bowling for Columbine. So it made sense to do those two as a pair. We thought about piling in more Michael Moore documentaries and just decided to keep it there. Tell me more. Yeah. I mean, his name is Michael Moore. Uh, But ultimately, we kept it there. And um, but we may talk about other documentaries within it as well. Uh, I I'll say I've watched. Two Michael Moore movies, one of the one of the two that we're covering at this point. I think it's going to be a very complicated episode. It's going to be much different than the last two in that um, those two movies are unf- – both Super Size Me and Religious are unfocused and shallow. I have re-examined my thoughts on Michael Moore having watched even his most recent movie that even when he's unfocused, he's never shallow. He might be focusing on the wrong things, but 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 like I'll just use an example. Like so, he, he <laughs> watching these documentaries and then that it's gonna feel like reading a fucking textbook after reading a chick tract. A little bit, like so. There, like and, and to kind of show, we'll talk more about next week how effective it is. I was watching one today, and he like was on a point that made a lot of sense for the track he was on, and then he went on another point that didn't, and I'm like, okay. And then he goes on something that's just like, okay, well, now you're just going greatest hits of things you've talked about before. You're completely off whatever point you were making at the beginning of this movie. And then that segment, like, made me cry three times. Like, and I think that's, uh, he's made some very focused movies. He's changed the documentary genre. But, like, even his kind of, like, more haphazard I don't make movies that often, so I'm going to throw stuff into stuff. I'm talking about Fahrenheit 11.9. It's kind of amazing that, like, he's that good of a fucking filmmaker that even his his uh, flybys are, like, he still lands. He lets everyone off the plane. Everyone meets the pilot. They get back up in the air. Like, he... So, yeah, we're doing that with Carrie Nelson. That's going to be another long one. Um, but it'll have Carrie there, so... If you have to edit a three-hour episode, Peter, it won't just be me and you uh, saying how much we fucking hate another human being for three hours. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Carrie, Carrie is also involved with documentary work. So she's yeah. going to have uh, more uh, nuts and bolts uh, observations about how uh, the film is structured. So it's going to be a great – the films are structured. So that's going to be a great, uh, great episode. We're very excited to have Carrie on. Yeah, and I believe uh, Michael Moore was similarly uh, impactful to Carrie's life. It's going to be a great episode. And yeah, and I'll apologize, in, uh, not in advance, what's the opposite of advance, in reverse. <laughs> I'll apologize in reverse that this uh, this episode probably wasn't very funny. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, you think, oh, Is they're that doing... The, that's the bow you're going to put on this thing? Is I that, think so. Eh, like, it wasn't very funny. Anyway. Well, here's the thing. Even myself, I guess I expected this episode to be funnier. Like, we, we we yelled a lot about Full House, and then we started covering the episodes, and we made a lot of jokes. Um, I think this is like religious in that if you went into the movie thinking, even if I don't agree with them, at least I'll have another a couple laughs, you left that movie disappointed, and I apologize that you're probably leaving this podcast disappointed as well. Uh, good night. Good night.
so much for listening to We Love to Watch. If you made it to the end, hopefully you liked what you heard today. And if you'd like to hear more, please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch. And if you can chip in a few bucks, that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward. Uh, it wasn't an implicit threat by Peter. He just didn't know how to say it. But either way, we'll continue to make more. But it would be helpful uh, as we explain to our loved ones where all our money is going, which is all on server space. Uh, <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> uh, if you don't have a few bucks to chip in, we totally understand. And you want to support the show. We truly, absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on iTunes. I know every podcast says it, and it's because it really does help. And so every podcast wants that help. So please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically, they hopefully want to tune in and listen. And thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years. Uh, We really do appreciate you. Uh, With kisses and smooches, Peter and Aaron. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>